Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone, this is Lorelei Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. So happy to have everyone here today to talk about body wisdom. So the front of the card is the goddess is standing on a hill and kind of in the background is a big tree and it's sort of like she grew into the tree and the tree grew into her. She has her roots set down and her wisdom all the way through her whole self and out the top of her head and all over. And the deer is sort of just being there, looking at her and being supportive to her. And often what I used to say at Beyond Hunger and in with my own clients and how I felt about myself too, is to think of myself as a strong tree that, you know, the tree doesn't hate itself and I don't hate the tree and the tree is fine however way it grows. And to remember that, that we're okay, however way we grow, it's going to be fine. So the back of the card is body wisdom is the inherent wisdom we each hold within our own bodies that tells us what we need physically, emotionally, and spiritually. When we listen to the wisdom of our bodies, we intuitively know how to feed ourselves, satisfy our needs, and accept our natural bodies. And this is the key, is to be listening to the wisdom of the body. Because for me, going through my own eating disorder and my own recovery, I had no faith in my body. I didn't like it, and I didn't think it wanted to do what I wanted it to do, which was to be really thin. And I wanted it to be forever young, but not too young. And I wanted it to be completely different than how it was. So I was tall and thin, which I liked because the culture told me that that was good, but I had no curves at all. And there was another underlying culture that told me that I should be thin, but I should be curvy. And I had freckles and that was okay sometimes and then other times not. So I didn't want to have that. I didn't like my hair. I didn't like, I just didn't like my body at all. And I had to learn in my recovery, I had to learn how to like it. And I had to learn how to, what it was going to look like naturally. That didn't mean that I had to accept things that I hated. It just meant that this was my body and there was an acceptance and a love that I needed to cultivate for myself that I had no idea how to do that. I didn't grow up with that image or that idea. I grew up with the idea that we are to be sculpted into what we think we want. So at some point in my recovery, realize that I have a body wisdom that will say, I am hungry. I am full. This is the weight that I feel good at. This is the work that I like. This is the 
home that I feel at home in, that I had that in myself and that I didn't have to get it from somewhere else. That was a huge awakening that I had intuition that I could lean on and it came from my body and it was body, mind and spirit. So I really appreciate our guest, Jennifer, being on today and who picked this beautiful card to talk about. And I'm gonna let her take it on from here and then tell us what she's been doing and what's up with her, what's her work like. And then we'll have a talk about body wisdom, which is really one of the most, I know, it's a very wonderful subject to talk about, I think, especially to women in the culture that we live in. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Thank you, Laura Lee, so much for inviting me to be on. And um, you just said it so beautifully about really learning to accept and love yourself completely as you are and how much we struggle with our outside culture and world and our stories of growing up and really like loving ourselves, which is such a big piece of that. And I, I think if you're not loving yourself and caring for yourself, it's very hard to listen to your body because you don't really want to be in your body. You keep trying to fix it and get out there and this will bring you happiness. And a lot of my program is a lot about kind of the why under the why. Like, okay, so you want to lose 10 pounds, but why? Like, what do you really think that's going to bring you? And I had a good friend who I've known for years and she had at one point put on a lot of weight and years and years later lost it. And she even said, she goes, it's on the outside. Now I look so thin and fit. I'm still so unsettled inside and so missing some pieces. And so you could look at someone who we think, oh my gosh, culture standards would say, oh, look at that woman. She's fit. She's young. She has everything. She has what we say is beautiful. Oftentimes not. Happy. Yeah. Cause she lives in the culture that tells us you're not okay. And you know what? You're never going to be okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's right? only going mean, to get worse. Like, what a horrible way to live. And yet we <laughs> have these stories going all the time underneath us. And I think for myself, a lot of my work and growth, being a nurse for many years, it was in the health industry, though most of you might know that medical people and nurses, doctors, we are not healthy at all. No, I know. <laughs> we are the best. You could bring us day old potluck stuff and it'll get eaten, you know, <laughs> stress eating. Yeah. Fast paced, just trying to just come off that adrenaline high or going out drinking a lot trying to find some kind of down. So why I learned a lot about health and I was always fairly active and healthy, that was a bit of my background coupled with a lot of the fad diets. The fat-free one was, I think, one of the worst for me. And I think I might've tried them all and it was really scarring. And my friend and I laugh now because we used to go out to one of these like a salad bar type places. And then they would have the fat-free muffins and you maybe put the fat-free yogurt on and we would eat till we were sick being like, oh, well, at least it's fat-free. I know, <laughs> but I'm really full and I don't feel very good. I feel horrible. <laughs> and I just had enough sugar for a whole year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I know. Um, so I lived through a lot of those different eras and I think it was fine 
finally realizing that didn't work and like there had to be something more. And I also think it was a bit for me of waking up a little of like, wow, what is my life about? And what do I really want? Or this kind of fast paced, just go, go, go is not working and slowing it down and overeating, over exercising, over everything really was not working. So it was like the start of my wake up that there has to be something more. And as you said, just really learning to love and accept your perfectly imperfect body. That's my right. Says, and I, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love that, right? Yeah. That's all of us, you know, seeing all parts. Yeah, there's no room to do that if you're trying to perfectly stay on this perfect diet. One potato chip over the line, all was lost. (laughs) And I'd have to eat everything. And then I would get back on the scale the next morning and start it all over again. And it was so black and white and so good and bad. And oh my God. And I would do diets that I would read in the same kind of magazine that said I had Elvis's baby on Mars and take that (laughs) diet like it was the Bible. (laughs) I hear you. Were those diets in Cosmopolitan by any chance? Because that seems to be where I found a lot of mine. Yeah. And so crazy making because it would be how to please your man, how to eat in a way that you don't get hungry and then try this recipe and then (laughs) then fit into the size zero pants in order to be okay. Exactly. And then wonder why you really still didn't feel so fabulous. On top of it, you were probably hangry and just (laughs) stressed out. And no one saying anything about that. Meanwhile, the eating disorders get worse and worse and the social media gets worse and worse. And, you know, our kids suffer. And yeah, so to get off of that train to finally say, let me off. This is my stop. I'm not going to do this anymore was how I saved my life, really. And I, like I said in the beginning, is that I had no idea that my body had wisdom. I really didn't. I just thought it was a vehicle for my brain to move around in. I didn't really realize that it could tell me this is a good place. This is not a good place. This is a good food. This is not a good food for me, for personally me. This is a good job. This is not. I had no trust in it at all because I didn't like it. I I think that's so true for so many of us. And I know I've suffered from that too. And I think you get so disconnected. Like I know I've worked with some clients just the first time I did this, I thought, or actually I should back up. I, someone had did it, had done this program with me of just a exercise. Like, how do you know when you're hungry? Like before you're hangry, how do you know when you're full? And I realized how often we don't even slow down for those, like the basic things are already shut off for many different reasons. And just to dial it back so simply to start practicing that awareness, like, wow, I'm really eating the bag of chips because I'm like in such a bad state, but I don't really even want to think about what's going on underneath or the body wisdom that's really talking to me. I'm just trying to shove it away with like food or alcohol or something. And again, you shut that off for so long. It it is always there, but it takes a little bit to start to let it speak again and for you to hear it. And that's part of that is so slowing down that you can actually hear what your body's telling you. And I think we who have been moms, or if you've ever been around a smaller child than yourself, that they have this body wisdom down. They know when they're hungry and they're going to let you know, and they know when they're full and they're going to let you know. They're not thinking, well, can I fit in one more phone call before I have to eat? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, they know when they have to pee and they pee. They don't say, I can take a break in an hour and then I'll pee. Babies and toddlers just go ahead and do whatever their exactly. body tells them to do. <laughs> I know. Or, and they have these really amazing tantrums when it's not a good time, but then they're done. They <laughs> yeah. move on. And yes. I think, oh my God, what if we all could do that a little more instead of like bottling it up and just like being, you know, so rageful and carrying it with us and just building it. But you see that and they're just, it cracks me up and they let it flow. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Yeah, and I've had clients, and I'm sure you have too, of saying, I don't know what I'm hungry. I'm never hungry, or I'm always hungry. No, I'm telling you, there is a signal. You may not have heard it, but there is a really strong signal. Once you learn it, you'll never unlearn it, you know? It's there. Unless something is terribly wrong, we all have bodily signals. We do. Right. No, I, it's so much. And I think even just really the basic of what are you feeling in your body versus in your head is a huge thing, isn't it? Because how often our heads, oh, I'm mad because of this or this. And it's really maybe not correlating with really the feeling in your body, which again, is just so beautifully telling you, you know, I'm sad, I'm hurt, I'm anxious. And really learning to feel your body is difficult. And yet it's so possible if we practice, right? It, then it won't be so difficult, but it's the practice of stopping to do that. Yeah. And I know that you also teach yoga and I can remember the first few times that I went to yoga, I was already recovered from my eating disorder and most of my body hatred, but it brought up a whole other part of body hatred that I couldn't do what the teacher could do, like at the first class. And uh, I just had to sit with that and go, well, this is what it's like to not know how to do something. And my own self inside felt bad about that. And I just had to be okay with that and say, this is what it feels like to not be able to put your foot over your head the first time you go to yoga. Right, <laughs> this is what right. it feels like to be a... Or maybe the hundredth, still trouble. <laughs> this, hundredth. <laughs> this is what it feels like to not have been doing this since you were a baby, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So how do you work with that if somebody is taking yoga, which is such a beautiful way of life and using it as a whip? on themselves? That's a great question. I, like you said, just for me, the yoga piece of it, of really slowing yourself down and with the breathing, even if it could be a more active flow, but there's so something about if I can help you focus more even on your breath with the poses, and I always do modifications or alternate things, but it's to try to really help people get a little out of their head, which is where all that negativity comes from and just feeling. And one of the ways I do that, and uh, you know, a lot of my cues are about breathing, breathing in, breathing out. Um, <laughs> right. Because we hold our breath. We forget to breathe. 
we forget to breathe. The pose is hard. We forget to breathe. We get anxious. We get scared. We forget to breathe. So I have one client who has arthritis and so struggles in his wrist and shoulders and really tight back and struggles more and worries more about more sometimes about can't do it or it's too hard or gets frustrated. And I think the biggest thing that we do together is just really slow it down so much and go back again to that breathing and child's pose. For those of you who know, is a very relaxing pose or on your back at the end, corpse pose or savasana. Those people think of as so easy. And yet they're some of the hardest poses in that you have to just relax. So one of my often, you know, it's like, just the reminder to please child's pose, take a break, breathe a bit. And so that's one of my biggest things I work with is just to really keep the breath flowing and the cues for in and out and to keep breathing and try to get out of your head more. And I try during the nice weather to do yoga outside as much as possible because I just, there's just magic in nature. And it's really actually hard to stay in a bad space when you're in nature. It's true. Yeah. I loved what you said about the just breathing. I remember one of my first yoga teachers said, the yoga is not about the postures. It's about the breathing. So if you just stand here or sit here, lay here and breathe, you've done your yoga class. So that was a huge eye open for me because I was like a lot of Americans. It's competitive. I need to be better than everybody else. And also I need to already know how to do this and I have to do it perfectly. So to drop all that stuff was really good for me, but it was hard, very hard. Yeah. And you're right. We live in such a competitive society or we're taught that again, to be perfect, whatever that means. And nobody's perfect, but just that pressure we put on ourselves is amazing. So yeah, anytime you can just slow it down or breathe or just relax into the pose without anything to do. Well, and also, you know, we're standing in a place with strangers in our underwear. Right. <laughs> so that it's hard. And true. you have to sort of let go of that, you know, <laughs> and I'm probably not going to be on the cover of Yoga Journal this month, but that's going to be okay. <laughs> Right. And I think that is another great kind of reminder of just humor and anything in life. But, you know, we take ourselves so seriously, right? Like, how about it? Like, you're right. We're kind of standing in our underwear with people we don't know. Right. Uh, the first time Getting I went all sweaty. To this, yeah, we're all sweaty, we, you know, and the one next to you always seems to put their leg over their head. So yes, it's just the way exactly. it works, right? <laughs> but this one class I took years ago, I'll never forget the first time I was in, she started with us facing forward. And by the time we were doing something, we were facing the back wall, which meant I suddenly was in the front Oh! and she came over to me and I had no one I could really see behind me. And they had all been taking the class. And she said, we already did that side. And I was like, <gasps> oh, I cannot see what anyone's doing. I, <laughs> I just had a laugh, but I'm like, oh, right, right. right. Okay. I'm not side. tracking. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and again, I really love the laughter because it used to be more, so much more serious. This was serious stuff that we were doing with this yoga class, no laughing. And so guess what? I didn't go to those classes very long, but (laughs) you know, I needed to go with other humans and they were like, you know, we're trying to learn Sanskrit. (laughs) What? 
some, a language that nobody else is talking except for us, you know. It's just, yeah. So I'm very glad that you're doing this work and you're doing it with this sort of idea behind you of body wisdom. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it just feels it. I'm, I've been doing yoga on and off probably for 25 years and, you know, would start, would stop. Also did, you know, phases with that power yoga, Bikram, Hatha. I think it was four or five years ago after like a bit of a hiatus, I went back and I was like, Oh my gosh. It was like one of those aha moments. Like not only am I been so missing this, I just felt something like go like, ah, oh, yeah, thank you know? And I thought, wow, like I have been missing this and didn't even know it. So it was, again, it's, it really comes back to, I think that being able to slow down and breathe and put yourself in a different state and bonus if you ever get your leg over your head. But. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then you're done. No, and then there's then another really one. <laughs> so tell me, what have you been doing for the last year and a half? I'm sure you haven't been able to teach a big class anywhere unless it's outside. No, though I, I actually did learn a lot more about online teaching and I dabbled a little in that, but I mostly just did my own practice. I took some classes for me personally on just personal growth and yoga. And I really kind of went inward a bit. And I, it was interesting because I struggled a bit uh, with like, oh gosh, people are getting their businesses going and they're getting more creative and they're doing this. <laughs> and it competitive seemed, even I, with a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And it <laughs> right. seemed to, like, I was like, okay, just breathe, just breathe. But it kind of, you know, it's, it's been so interesting. And I know many people feel this, that so much pain and sadness and anxiety and tragedy out there and it's overwhelming and in the midst of it all there's always like that hope piece or there's so much beautiful things happening and grassroots movements and help and a chance to slow down and connect with people or take some classes even online that I wouldn't have thought I would have liked as much but they were amazing. It just gave me a chance to really connect more with myself. So that is really much, I guess I use most of the time kind of really went more inward and I did dabble here and there and I'd pop back up and pop back to back. And, uh, I've been one of those people who've never been really that big on social media. So then I try to get back on it for business and, um, fall off. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So right. I, I did a little dabbling, but um, yeah. So just a couple of really cool classes, and uh, that's great. Just practice for myself and my own growth. I have a client right now who just said this a couple of weeks ago. I said, "So how are you doing?" or whatever, and she said, "Well, I still haven't even started that class to become a lawyer yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the pandemic is getting away from me." <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It's so true. You know, we think that we should be doing all of these things, even in the face of terror and, and upset and such grief about the whole thing. So but, much. So we are. And you're right. We set this bar so high that so high. Again, we're somehow told you're not enough if you don't have X, Y, and Z, or you can't do this or that. And you really are never probably going to reach that bar. It's never going to fulfill you anyway, but it's, it's a very eye-opening and a, I think a lot of work to wake up to that. And one of the ways of just that body wisdom of learning to 
trust yourself, even when things really seem like they're not going your way or you're having so many feelings that you can't, you know, rationalize. And I think I definitely grew up a bit in a household of the shoulds and shouldn'ts or acceptable behavior. And it's acceptable if you have a reason. And that also kind of doesn't let you honor all these feelings you have that you can't explain away or say, oh, it's because of this. Therefore, it's okay. So That's right. That's right. And to use the tool of breathing through all of that, if you can remember, you know, right. to, uh, <laughs> oh, I just held my breath for 15 seconds. Wonder what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> let me breathe through this. Yeah. So what are you doing these days? You have a little bit of a platform right now. Would you like to advertise or get out in the world, I guess? Yeah, thank you. I would love to share. Right now, I'm working on expanding my Yoga Plus series, which is a monthly series of women and wellness issues and mostly centered around aging. So one of the topics I did was on menopause. And then I do a yoga class with it. So the yoga flow supports the topic. And um, also in January, um, just one on listening to your body, basically, it's called the peaceful diet. And it's really more about finding out what works for your body oh, so uh, versus good. your friend's body. And to <laughs> yeah. recognize we are so unique. And even yes. if Sally can lose 20 pounds on something, you might not be able to. Or So I'm working on that. Those are actually local in Sonoma. And I might, my hope is to get that online at some point. And then I've done in the past, I do some one-on-one coaching. I have a 12-week program that's a little more just, again, going the why under the why and learning what energizes your body, both emotionally and physically, and looking at stress and self-care. And then I have a group that I like to do, and it's called Mojo Revival. And it's a (laughs) six-week small group online. And I have a friend of mine who is an OBGYN and a sex therapist. And it's really, again, going through your body what it needs, self-care, saying yes to yourself, which is so hard for women. We tend to always be on the back burner. And I think it's really the more we can realize if we say yes to ourselves, everyone benefits, the ripple out. God, your family, your neighbors, whoever, but it's really, it, that is such a hard concept. And I, you know, I still struggle myself where I'll be like, oh, I've really been putting myself on the back burner or not saying that because I don't want to hurt so-and-so's feeling, but it's hurting me. And so it's a continual practice and growth, but in the six weeks is really getting your mojo back. Really being excited to be alive because it's a gift. I love that so much. And six weeks, I feel like I can do anything for six weeks. There you go. Yeah. So I'm going to have another one starting in January or February. I just don't have the date, but that's coming forward for the new year. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. And it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, again, the power of a group. And I know groups aren't for everyone, but there is something about just having that added support while you're all growing. And it's amazing how everyone's stories, even if they're different, they're kind of the same or they tap into something that you can so relate to. So. Of course. Yeah. I did groups for years and years and years and really miss it uh, because I stopped somewhere around maybe a year ago because we weren't able to meet in person. And so many people were already on Zoom for their work or whatever and didn't want to be on it for another two hours, one night a week. And I don't really feel comfortable starting a new one yet either because I don't think we're through with this. And even if we are, I just 
want it to be really safe for everyone. But yeah, there's something, the magic of a group, because maybe you didn't say something, but somebody else said something and that opens the door to what you wanted to say. Yeah. Right. Gives you a little more support or confidence to share. Knowing that you're not alone is a big thing. It's huge. We'd have a group and somebody would say, I ate a frozen cake last night and everybody else didn't know that you could say that you ate a frozen cake. <laughs> but, but we do. But right. Yeah. Anyway, so I wonder if you would read the bottom of the card. Today, I will practice trusting in the wisdom of my body. I will listen to my body when I am hungry and full. Listen for what my body wants and needs and trust the intuitive voice of my body. Oh, great. Well, I am so appreciative for you being here today and that you're here out in the world doing the work that you're doing. Thank you very much for doing that. And I love this Mojo class. I might join it myself. It's so fabulous. Love Um, to have you. Yeah. So grateful for you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura Lee. And I too feel the same. I am very grateful and honored to be asked to be on your podcast and just love your wisdom and all you're doing and sharing. So thank you for letting me be part of it. Well, thank you for being part of it. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.